Welcome Thrive Community Church. It is so good to connect with you. Thank you so much for showing up at your Watch Tribe and maybe you're catching this online. Hey, take this moment to go to Uversion and download our notes because I want you to track with us through Uversion on your notes, on your phone. You can go to events in the more section, events, find us at Thrive Community Church, find our notes, click save in the top right hand corner. That way you'll have the notes for this message and track along with us throughout okay here we go uh, so we've been getting a lot of great responses from this message series in fact i think now more than ever we are living out this prophetic message uh, for the church and so what we've been talking about is point one is many of the things you have resisted about the church are things the church should actually resist and I think now we're seeing that more than ever because religion has no power in the current events. Rituals and, and rules, are, they're just not working. But faith and, per, and, and persevering in the Lord is what's going to get us through everything that we're able to go through right now. And I really feel like this is an exciting time for the church. And in fact, this message, how we end this series, is going to explain exactly the heart that I have for us as a body of believers, in fact, the Big C Church, and how we should live these times out, and probably should have been living these times out for a long time anyway. So uh, we're talking about our series, Brand New, and Brand New. And, and what Jesus intended was he had brought a brand new covenant. And so it was not the old, it's a new covenant. And in this new covenant would be based on a new command. And, and if this new command was lived out right, then you would not have to worry about all the other commands because this one command being lived out right would guarantee that you followed and you, you, you actually persevered beyond and went above and beyond the other commands. This love God and prove your love for God by, for how you love one another. This one command being lived out would then spark a new ethic and this new ethic would be purposed to trickle down into every life situation, every thought, every relationship, every decision that you had for this whole purpose of igniting this movement that Jesus intended. This movement would then bring the heaven to earth and expand his kingdom. And as this ethic, driven by this command, based on this new covenant, was lived out, I would infect the people, the people around us, around me, who would then in turn affect the people around them. And this is exactly what Jesus meant in his movement. Now, in his time, the church, the gathering that he intended was flourishing based on this one love ethic. Everything was beginning to move forward perfectly. The church was growing, people were getting love, people were being brought in even. And, and what he showed was that the Jesus model was actually less complicated. However, it's far more demanding. It's less complicated, but it's far more demanding. Religious systems, you see, have, have loopholes. They have hypocrisy. They have, they have places where you can hide and not do. But in the Jesus movement, no one can hide from love because love causes us to go and do and go and serve and go and give. This is what the Jesus movement was purposed for and purposed on. Jesus said this in John 13, 34, As I have loved you, so you must love 
one another. No more of this, well, you know what he really meant by this in love is, no more of that. In the, in the Jesus model, there were no workarounds, there were no loopholes, only what does love require of me. And everywhere you wanted to try to justify, the commentary was settled by what does love require of me. And the only decision left was based on this single idea right here. So every decision in life would flow through this one thought. No longer did you need the old King James Version, right? And no longer did you need just one more Bible study. We needed to answer every situation according to this question, what does love require of me? And everything would be answered by this question. And Christians were loving on pagans, and pagans couldn't understand it because the Christians weren't wanting anything from the pagans. The Christians were just loving the pagans and their children because that's what Jesus called them to do. In, in our world right now, there are people who are lost and are hurting and who are stressed and who are worried. And they are needing a people just like the first Christians to just love them right where they are and leave them wondering why are these people so filled with hope. One, because you have this new ethic working inside of you because you understand this new command that Jesus gave and you want to see the movement, this new movement of Jesus truly flourish around the earth. So later we had this, this whole mentality of when, when Christians became the majority, right? They became the majority and they began exercising temple brand authority. There was an issue that followed that. This was no, no one's fault that this began. And in fact, it was kind of a crossbreed of emperor and holy. And the church mixing with Rome didn't know what to do because now they were, they were once persecuted. And though the church was flourishing under persecution, they had now been embraced by Constantine. And now Constantine was impl implementing an empire-style Christianity. And now they became famous in, in majority in this this religious sect began to rise up and then all of a sudden centuries later Martin Luther King comes up Martin Luther comes along Martin Luther in the 16th in 1600s and the Reformation starts and here we have solo scriptura meaning only the scripture can interpret the scripture no longer will it be the church interpreting scripture no longer will it be sacred men interpreting scripture but it's actually scripture interpreting scripture sola scriptura so now now you have these protestants and you have the bible in their hands in their english language in their language and now you have unschooled uneducated men who are sifting through the old testament and new testament and they're having complications because they're realizing we now we know this is all equally authoritative however how does this application work because if we apply it the same, then we got to decide uh, how we love some and we stone others. How's this going to work? How do we do that? And in all that debate and all that study, they realize, wait a minute, it is equally authoritative. However, the application must be different from Old Testament to New Testament. And, and somewhere in all of that confusion, there came this season where we began to use the Bible as a bat and we would say things such as, well, the Bible says this, so you need to do this. Well, the Bible says this, so you're doing this. Well, the Bible says this, so blank, blank, blank. And instead of encouraging one another in love, the Bible had become a weapon. Well, in all of this, 
this temple model lifting, elevating, the Protestant church created denomination after denomination and after denomination. And, and there aren't over a thousand different denominations because they were competing in how to love one another. There's over a thousand denominations because there was a division and a difference and a disagreement on how to interpret the text. And one thing was lost, and that was love. And all of this, and all of this competing and debating and, and challenging, love had truly been lost. But I want us to change that. And I believe we can change that. And even if it's a major challenge to change that, even if it's difficult to change that, it's worth the effort to change it. Uh, it because it's, it's simple and it's demanding. It's simple and it's demanding. Remember, it's a lot less complicated, but it's way more demanding. And we can do this. And that's how the church gained traction. The gospel became irresistible, and that's how the church gained traction in these early times. And I'm telling you, we're in those times again where the church has the greatest potential in all of the world to gain, to gain traction again and spread yet again. In fact, I think the gospel can spread faster than this virus can if you and I begin to get intentional on loving our neighbors as ourselves. So let me give you five different ideas that are not new ideas. In fact, they're renewed. Uh, they have come from Jesus. These are five ideas that Jesus intended. They have, however, been diluted and denuded and polluted because of temple model thinking. These are five things, five ideas that if you renew your conscience... If you reshape your conscience, if you use them and allow them to, be, if you be transformed by these five ideas and be renewed by them, I promise you we will ignite this Jesus movement. We will not only change Henderson County, but we will be a story on the news so that other people will want to know how did you do it. We came together on these five ideas. And number one idea is structure. Structure. You see, the church is a body, not a kingdom. It's a body, not a kingdom. See, when Paul was on his missionary journeys, he would go around and set up these bodies of Christ. And he would say, hey, the king's not here. Uh, you are an ambassador, and so you are here as a representative of the king, and you are sent here to establish this body over here for the sake of Christ the king. And so he would establish the body. It weren't the kingdom is not the church. The church is not the kingdom. The church is the body of the king, and we are ambassadors to bring the king. He says this, now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you, each one of you is a part of it. That's 1 Corinthians 12, 27 in your notes. And you know what it means if, if you're not a part of a local body? It means you're dislocated. And you know what dislocated body part is? It's gross. So don't be gross, okay? So get, get connected. Which means also that you are important to the church. You are important to the church. And if you are not engaged, you are missing something. And if you are not engaged, the church is missing something. So your engagement affects the church. And I don't mean just being present. I mean being engaged affects the church. But the temple model, you see, the temple model was a religious, the religious experience of gathering was all about consumption. You see, whenever you go in and you're going to get baptized so that God can bless you. When you go in for a communion, you go in for communion so that God will be okay with you. When you go in, you go in to learn 
so that you can be a better person. It's all about consumption in the temple model. Well, the Jesus model isn't about consumption because the Jesus model isn't about you. It's about the you beside you. It's about the you that I hope you would bring to that gathering that you're in. It's about the you that you know is hurting and wounding and full of fear right now. The Jesus model is not about you. It's about the you beside you. And so the Jesus model is all about engage. Engage. Looking for an opportunity to engage. I see somebody hurting. I'm going to engage. I see a need in the church. I'm going to engage. I see a need outside the church. I'm going to engage. It's all about engaging because it's all about others. And they thought uh, I could just stay at home and worship God on my own is complete temple model thinking because it's all about you. Jesus' model is, why would I stay at home alone when I can engage with the rest of my community, the rest of my church, and I can engage with the rest of the world? Why would I stay at home on my own when I can engage in a watch tribe, when I can engage with others that God has allowed me to be around in this time? Why would I choose to stay at home? One who stays alone and separated is that amputated body part. Don't be gross. Second idea is this, authority. Authority is exercised for the benefit of the led, not the leaders. You see, uh, many times scripture, in Scripture, Jesus would have to confront this issue. In fact, Paul would have to confront this in a complete book of its own in Scripture because Jesus turned this whole paradigm, up, paradigm upside down. This whole pyramid of authority is here. No, Jesus said, no, authority is down there. The authority serves the rest. So the authority is actually for those who are being led rather than for the leaders. Authority, in Jesus' perspective, was I have authority not to lord over you, but to give that away so that I can empower you, I can resource you, I can equip you to go do what God has called you to do with the authority that is trickling down through me to, to equip you and to bless you. That's kingdom authority right there. He says this in Matthew 20, 25. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. And the disciples are like, yeah, that's right. That's exactly why. So I can tell you to go do that, and you go get me this, and, and I need this, and it's, you know, it's just me and you, Jesus, and then there's just the rest of them. It's the rest of those people who don't have authority who serve us. No, that's, not what, that's, not a, that's exactly what it wasn't. Because Jesus said, not so with you. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Must be your courier. That means if you want to be great, then you should be that one that's going to and from and serving others and making sure that this person has everything that they need, resource, so that they can be all God created them to be. That's what Jesus meant. And he continues and he says this, And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. See, a slave is sold out to others and for others. You want to be great? You've got to be a slave. You've got to be a servant. You've got to be a courier. You've got to be completely sold out to this thing. And Jesus said, if you want to be over them, then you've got to learn how to be under. And if you want to be great by my definition or of great, then you have to serve others around you. 
And in the upper room, Jesus took off His robe and He washed their feet. And they were so resistant to Him washing their feet because they were like, no temple thinking, we should be washing your feet. You're our O Holy One leader. Let us do it. You don't do this to us. And Jesus was modeling what kingdom leadership looked like. And He says, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. And very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master. In that moment, he's saying, if you don't think you have to wash other people's feet, if you don't think that you need to get down and serve those who are around you, then you must think that you're greater than your master. And he was driving this story home. He was driving it home. And he says, what, what, you know, what, if, we, what if we just got that one thing right? What if we got this whole, whether you're a Christian, uh, in a church leader or nonprofit leader or business owner, what if just as a Christian leader we got this one thing right and we were able to leverage our authority and our resources for the sake of lifting up another? What if we got this one thing right? How could we impact this community and the world around us? That's powerful. In fact, I believe that God sent His Son to submit Himself to others so that I would have an example of how to submit to those I lead. And that way I would know how to lead others who in turn would know how to lead others and in turn would know how to lead others. The Jesus model. It's not about me. It is about Him. And in all of this, Jesus brings up marriage. And in, it, Jesus brings up marriage and His followers. This made His followers all but almost just want to leave Him behind in the things He was saying. In a world where women were property, where women were sold, where their voice didn't count, where in court it wouldn't hold up, in a, in a world where women were promised away, where even daughters were promised away, he turned it on them. And when he was done, when he was done talking about everything he had to say, here's the concept. Marriage is characterized by mutual care and submission, not male domination and Jesus just left leveled the playing field it's about mutual submission and not male domination and his followers were like well what if she disrespects me and what if she doesn't do what I say and 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 what if she starts to not look like she did when she was younger and and Jesus was Jesus how, how do we change our situation how do we get rid of her and find a new bride what do we do in this situation Jesus and when Jesus was finished responding to them with the heart that He had about marriage and about how they treat one another, how they treat their spouse, when He was done giving them a piece of His mind, here's what they had to respond to say. The disciples said to Him, well, if the relationship of a man with his wife is like this, it's better not to marry. And it said, Amen. And it, Matthew 19, 19, 10, and Jesus then changed everything up and replaced ownership with partnership. He leveled it all. I'm telling you, ladies, if for nothing else, there's a reason right there for you to come to Christ because Jesus leveled the playing field in marriage. You can figure out the crucifixion and all that later on, but right here is gold for you. But then Paul comes along saying, uh, wives, submit to your husbands. And then without reading further, without reading, men just grab a hold of this temple thinking and they say, uh-huh, see, this, this is what the Bible says. You're supposed to submit to me. 
and this is why I don't like to do marriage counseling much anymore because I'll be in there and the husband, the first thing he says, well, my wife's supposed to submit to me. That's what the Bible says. And I'll ask him, well, who's that written to? Well, it says, my wives. Then why are you reading it? It has nothing to do with you. It's to your wife, not to you. But Paul didn't start the marriage conversation this way. He starts it this way in Ephesians 5.21. He says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So we're, we're submitting one another because of what Christ is doing in each one of our lives separately. Therefore, we want to model Christ, and so we're submitting to one another. And in Christ, marriage is each part, in, in Christian marriage, each partner looks to God and thinks, how does Christ, how does, how does God treat me through Christ? Because that's how I need to reflect love to my spouse. That's what Christian marriage looks like. Because Christian marriage is a submission competition. It's a submission competition. And the competition should never be one-sided. It's always to defer. No, you go ahead. No, you go ahead. No, let me get that. No, let me do that for you. No, no, you. It's a competition to see who can to defer, can defer to the other, because that's how Christ treats us. And when Ali's thoughts are, I'm not going to submit to him, he's a jerk. The second thought is, you know what? It's not him I'm submitting to. And vice versa, it's not her I'm submitting to. I'm submitting to Christ because of what Christ has done for me. I honor my spouse. And my love doesn't be, is not based on what that individual does. Because that individual will never be good enough. My love is based on what Christ has done for me and what He's doing in my heart. And from there, I'm a reflection of the love I am receiving from Christ. And when I'm not looking like that, I'm not receiving love from Christ. And it's not because He's not giving love enough. It's because Christ is just flowing with love for us so that we can reflect that same love to others. And, and, and an idea for is this, spirituality is determined by how well one loves, not how much one knows. By how much one loves, not by how much one knows. You know, in this Western society, it's all about knowledge. It's all about knowledge. Scripture says, but the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5.22. So if a person is spiritual, you know, here's what you'll see in our world, in our thinking. Uh, but the fruit of the Spirit is insight, knowledge understanding of the deeper things of faith and the, the ability to make people hang on your every word. That's what it would look like if it were knowledge. That's not in your Bible. That's not true. That's what we think, though, when we think spirituality, but that's not what spirituality is. Spirituality is this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and that challenging one's self-control. That is true spirituality being lived out in this world. These are all horizontal and not vertical. They're, they're external and not internal. They're outward and not upward. They're sacrificial and cross-cultural. They're unnatural. And that's why it's so powerful. So the most spiritual person you know may be the most sacrificial and quiet person you know. Jesus' movement is far more simple and yet far more demanding. And number five idea is this. Holiness is about being a part of rather than setting oneself apart.
apart from. We've got to get this in this time we're living in right now. Holiness is about being a part of rather than setting oneself apart from. It's not about drawing away but leaning in. It's not about, yup, don't touch me with your pagan cooties. It's about, and it's not about spraying you with Lysol because you might be infected. It, it's not about, I'm just going to stay in my little Christian bubble, go to my Christian exercise place, go to my Christian restaurants, and do my Christian thing with my Christian friends. That's not what it looks like. In the temple model, sacred is equated with separate. In the Jesus model, sacred is equated with engagement. So those who are engaged are the holy ones. The reason we think temple is because of the Old Testament. The Old Testament taught us don't engage with those people. Don't go to the well with those people. Don't do what they do. Don't wear what they wear. Don't look like them. You need to stay ceremonially clean. Don't you look like that. Don't you do that. And then Jesus, and then Jesus was birthed and said, no, we actually meet them at the well. No, we lean in and engage. No, we invite in to our home and we support. No. Then John was looking back over his life with Jesus and how they walked together and how he watched Jesus. And he wrote this in John 1. He says, The Word became icky, gooey, potentially COVID-19 infested flesh. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. See, God no, decided to no longer stay separated, but came to engage us, and Jesus showed up. He freaked everyone out because He kept touching unholy things and unholy people and embraced disease-ridden people. Come on, somebody. And instead of fleeing like the holy men, he kept touching and praying for unclean people. Come on. And after unclean people, and after unclean people, so the holy men said, how can he be from God when he keeps touching unholy things and unholy people? How can this be our God? Temple thinking. Because this was a start of something brand new. And instead of being contaminated by their germs, power went out from Him when He laid hands on, his, on them and they were healed. And that is what you and I have been called to do as Jesus followers, to lean in and engage. Fear causes us to press back and try to control our situation. Love causes us to lean in and engage and connect. Now more than ever, we've got to lean in, engage, and connect with the world around us. And that is what we need to do. No more disengagement. So at the, the end of his time, he gathered his disciples, and at this time, they're sitting there thinking, okay, is now, is now when your kingdom is coming? Is now the kingdom going to be, be, be set up? Are we going to take back the Roman kingdom? Are we about to establish it for our people? Are you going to take back Jerusalem? No. Temple. So, are you going to take back the sacred sites? No. Temple. Are you going to... Well, how are we going to take back authority? Aren't you our king? Aren't you our messiah? Aren't you coming to do... No. Temple. He says this, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. He says, And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Jesus said, If you are going to see my kingdom... And you must go. 
When Jesus died, the entry into the holiest of holies torn. The curtain torn from top, tore from top to bottom. Several things were symbolized, meaning now everyone, now all of God's people had access directly into the holiest of holies. But it also meant that God has left the building. God has entered into a new temple. It now means that God is now with you and I, His church, His assembly, His gathering, and He is moving with us, and He is wanting to release power with us, and He is calling to us to, us to love and connect and engage so He can be released into this world and so that He can be the antidote He is purposed to be, but He wants to collaborate with you and I. And here's how we do it. The Jesus model says, Holy people have dirty hands, and dirty is the new holy. The holiest people in our church are the ones who are filming, who are opening their home, who are editing the video, who are bringing snacks, who are bringing water, the ones who are still serving, the ones who are still giving, the ones who are not taking everything off the shelves, the, one who are think, the ones who are thinking about the elderly, the ones who are thinking about the school kids, the ones who are thinking about the parents with kids who aren't planning to have a budget, a grocery budget like they're going to have, the ones who are thinking about all the others are the holiest people around you right now, the ones who are not just present but they're engaged, the ones who are saying, no, I want to make sure this vision continues forward, that God's vision continues forward, that what Jesus Christ is doing right now, those are the ones that are the holiest in your atmosphere and they're the holiest in your environment and they're the holiest ones that are going to be changing the world around you and they're the ones that are influencing you and I. But never confuse giftedness with holiness because the holiest man ever died selfish, selflessly covered in his own blood in our sins. So what if we abandoned all thinking that said, because I showed up, I'm holy, temple. And what if instead of that we engaged and got more out of being present? I'm not just here. And what if every single Christian leveraged their influence and authority for the sake of others around them? And what if every husband and wife laid down their weapons, laid down their accusations, laid down their selfish thinking, and said, by God's grace, I'm going to learn to treat you the way that God has treats me. What if? Jesus. And what if we began to ask at every turn, every place we formally got away with it, whatever your it is, whatever loophole we work through, whatever, what if we stop doing our old temple mentality, our old way, and we asked, what does love require of me? What if in every one of those moments, we began to renew our conscience, our mind, our whole mentality of thinking with what does love require of me? As COVID-19 is spreading around the world, as we are having to live life differently, as our authorities are asking of different things and there are different needs, and what does love require of me? That brand of Christianity changed the world. And that brand of Christianity can change the world again. That brand of Christianity should characterize our Christianity. That brand of Christianity should characterize the church. That brand of Christianity will be almost irresistible because that brand of Christianity will be again brand new. I got one question for you. 
What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? Now in this time, I want you guys to get together, pray with one another, pray over your needs, prepare your, your giving as well. There should be a drop box or an envelope at your host home. Giving is an act of worship as well as serving, praying. Everything that we do unto the Lord is an act of worship. So guys, I can't wait to be with you. Our team is doing great. We'll see you again soon. Have a blessed day and thank you so much for joining your Watch Tribe. You get to make the most of it. God bless.